Thank you for coming to the podcast. Top Turtle MMA podcast on FlowCombat.com is brought to you by the best name in BJJ and MMA clothing, ADK Fightwear. Look, there's a million places out there where you can get your next Rash Guard or Gi. A million of them. Trust me, I've seen them all and I've tried most of them. Some of them have got some really high quality stuff out there. It's going to last you a long time. Some of them you can get at a reasonable price. But finally, we've arrived at a place that has both really high quality stuff and isn't going to break your bank. Go to ADKFightwear.com right now and see what I mean. If you use our promo code TURTLE, that's T-U-R-T-L-E, all lowercase, you're going to get their arm bars and stripes rash guard for just 16 bucks. That's right, $16. And when you do, you're instantly going to see the quality and know that this thing's going to last you for a real long time. ADK Fightwear brings you this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. This is Daniel Gumby, reeling with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com, and today we have a, the pleasure of speaking to Dominic Reyes, fresh off of his win over Ovin St. Preux at UFC 229. Dominic, obviously a huge win for you, uh, but it was the first time in the UFC that you didn't get a finish. Uh, was it sort of a surprise to you how durable OSP was? Uh, first of all, what's up, guys? How you guys doing? Secondly, uh, I, I technically wasn't a finish, but yeah, I was. Uh, I was very surprised with his toughness. He's he's no joke, man. Not, not, not by any means. <laughs> yeah, a- absolutely not a joke. I mean, he was one of the top guys ranked in the division. Now you're one of the top guys ranked in the division. I saw recently you jumped all the way up to six. H- how closely do you watch these things now that you are inching towards the top? Um, I mean, I'm watching my own progression up the rankings for sure. It's freaking badass, man. I'm. <laughs> It's like, it's like I'm playing a video game. It's like my life is like a video game. I'm like story mode right now. It's freaking cool. Like earning, you know, training super hard, earning these big wins, moving up the rankings, getting phone calls from different kinds of people. It's pretty cool, man. It's real cool. Yeah, and it, it all seems to happen to it pretty fast too. Yeah, does it feel kind of shocking, like a video game, shocking that way? Yeah, exactly. Like it's like. It's, it's almost just like a video game in the timeline. Like it's happened in one year. It's been UFC one year. Yeah, and, and, six in the world. and really it all kicked off with that like viral knockout that uh, wound up on ESPN and all kinds of different places. Sure. Yeah, do, do you attribute a lot of that, uh, that quick success to that? I mean, obviously the, the big wins speak for themselves, but uh, how fast it's happened, do you, do you sort of attribute some of that to that? Um, not really, because, you know, all I had to do was lose. <laughs> yeah. That all of a sudden... None of that matters. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I kept it all going. Um, if I would have lost during any of this time, then nobody would be talking about that. They would just be like, oh, it wouldn't, it wouldn't matter. None of that would matter, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I had to look at each fight individually, and I had to perform in each fight. And I was getting finishes. You know, I'm finishing guys. I'm exciting. I'm just what they're looking for. So I think that more than, than just that one knockout has been been it's been my body of work yeah since i've been in the ufc yeah and i agree with the statement too you're just what they're looking for people have been complaining that light heavyweight and heavyweight have been like an old man barren wasteland for for some time now you're the youngest guy in the top 10 of light heavyweight right now uh you know one of the very few on the right side of 30 do you think about that at all when you're climbing up the rankings do you think about that when when you're thinking about your career moves a bit i do 
because um, I think for more longevity, um, I have to think long term. Um, I think it's really cool. You know, I'm a I'm a young gun in there, and I'm freaking I'm a scary dude. You know, <laughs> I'm having fun doing it. So it's, yeah, you, uh, I guess a lot more optimism for me as opposed to being on the other side of thirty. Yeah, you and you certainly are a scary dude too. Now l- let's talk about some of the matchups that are coming up in your division because it's getting to be a really interesting time in your division. It seems like the UFC is stripping the champion Daniel Cormier and handing a title shot to John Jones and Alexander Gustafson. What are sort of your thoughts on their choice of that, and and who do you like in this fight at the top of your division? Um, their choice to do that is I feel like it's it's warranted. Uh, Daniel doesn't want to fight. Um, light heavyweight so there's light heavyweights waiting to fight um so they're stripping them it's kind of messed up but it is what it is you gotta you gotta defend otherwise you get your belt taken you can't defend two ways at the same time um as far as jones and gus i think that's a cool fight to see again you know the first one was was instant classic and I think this one should bring a lot of the same. As far as predictions, I'm going to have to go with Gus because he has a little bit less going on in his life. He's a little bit more active. And, uh, yeah. I like that pick. And and now in a, a week, too, you know, not that you know we want to detract from talking about your big wins, but in a week we've got another fight going on with guys who are, you know, ranked right around you or just in front of you with uh, – with Volkan Ozdemir and, and uh, Anthony Smith, what are your thoughts on that main event and uh, who might take that one home? Oh, man. That, I think that's just going to be a good-ass fight. You know, yeah. every time I see light heavyweights put on good-ass fights, it makes me happy. Like, I'm like, hell yeah. That's what's up. Like, we're the light heavyweights, man. Let's show it. Like, come on. <laughs> you know, these, everybody else is getting more love than we are. Like, come on, guys. We're, we're the exciting weight class, you know? So I just think it's going to be a good fight. Um... They're both aggressive. They both like to throw. They're both, you know, they ain't scared of nothing, which is awesome. And, uh, yeah, I'm just looking forward to watching the fight. I got no prediction. Yeah, and it, it sounds sort of like that you two are a, a fan of the sport and, and particularly a fan of light heavyweight, which kind of has the best story out of all of the divisions with, you know, Chuck Waddell and Randy Couture and Tito yeah, Ortiz man. and stuff you like that. all the history and everything. <laughs> we are the UFC. <laughs> <laughs> Forrest Griffin brought the UFC back with the Ultimate Fighter, light heavyweight division. Chuck Liddell, Tito, all the, 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 the like crazy names that everybody remembers and most of them are light heavyweight. I'm not disrespecting it, like whatever, but I'm saying the light heavyweights were special. Mm-hmm. We are. Yeah. We're big it- without being sloppy. Yeah, I like that big without being sloppy. So it, it, it's always been one of my favorite divisions for that reason too. Is there a, a fighter or a fight that you look back to, or that uh, that sort of you know sparks your interest or sparks your pride in the the division itself? Um, yeah, um, the whole Chuck Randy saga was crazy. I seen one of them live. That was my first ever and only UFC event I went to before getting in the UFC. I was like 11 years old. That was amazing. Um, but, yeah, and then the, the Chuck, I mean, the, the Forrest fight really like was like, wow, this is freaking cool for me. Mm-hmm. So, 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 yeah. so we're about the same age. Uh, I'm just about a year older than you. i got to ask you, how the heck did you get your parents to let you go to watch Chuck Liddell <laughs> fight Randy Gatour at age 11? Because I would have killed for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. It just worked out. Like, ended up all me and my three brothers and my parents. Somehow they ended up getting tickets. I mean, they were nosebleeds, 
but it was freaking badass. We were at the MGM. Like, I still remember the noise, the sound of, um, I think, I think it was the second one where uh, Randy knocked out Chuck. Mm-hmm. And it was just, wow! He just echoes through the whole arena. And I still remember feeling the energy go through my body of the crowd and just getting goosebumps. I still get that same feeling. That's, that's kind of what I'm chasing in fighting. I love yeah. that. That's awesome, man. Oh, so man. Let, look, yeah. let's talk about that chasing too, because you know we've talked about the division a little bit here. I want to talk about you chasing this. So you know you're you're young, you're 28. You've obviously got plenty of time, but now you're up to number six in the division. We're obviously waiting for a couple of things to shake out. But it, but is there anybody you've got on your list that you want next, or or any sort of uh, you know maybe a compilation of names that you're thinking about getting in there with? Um, right now, um, the only name on my mind is Jan Blachowicz. Mm-hmm. He's he's perfect, man. He's perfect for my next step, for sure. He's a clean striker. He has great takedowns. His timing is really good. I feel like it's a good good test, you know. I think I think it's right there in the progression of my career. Yeah, and I'll say too, he's probably the only one in your division right there who uh, not who is not yet booked. Yeah, somebody's done their homework. Uh, so yeah, I got so I got to ask you, man. Hey, how soon can you get back in there if he were to want that match? You know, ASAP. Um, I, in ideally, I'd like to fight in like February or March. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know, man. <laughs> There's different factors that affect accepting a fight or not. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, most of the light heavyweights are already booked up for the rest of the year. All the cards are almost filled. So, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm thinking next year for sure. All right, well, yeah. we're we're certainly yeah. looking. We're certainly looking forward to that, Dominic. Uh, we hope you get the fight that you're looking for, and we hope to see you back in there sooner rather than later. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, this has been Dominic Reyes, fresh off of his win over Ovin St. Preux at UFC 229. Thanks again for the time, Dom. We really appreciate it. Thanks, sir. Have a great day, man. And that interview with Dominic Reyes was brought to you by Sheath Underwear. Look, both me and Dave here do jujitsu. You've got a couple of purple belts on your hands right here, and we, just like you guys, have all had that moment at the gym where your underwear underneath your gym shorts bunches up and is crushing your junk. And the last thing that you want to do after getting a big tap on the mats is to grab your junk and rearrange things. It's embarrassing and nobody wants to roll with the guy who keeps grabbing at his marbles. Luckily, Sheath has solved this issue. Their uniquely designed underwear increases airflow so you don't need to constantly be adjusting yourself. Plus, The support they give you is proven to be healthier. It reduces skin-to-skin contact, which reduces rashing, and they're moisture wicking, so you don't get all funky down there, too. If you want to check them out, and I highly suggest that you do, head to sheathunderwear.com right now and use promo code TURTLE, that's T-U-R-T-L-E, and you're going to get 25% off your whole order. It's going to change the way that you roll. Once again, I am your host, Daniel Gumby Vreeland, alongside my partner in crime, Shockwave Dave Tremonti. Dave, what are your thoughts about Reyes' call-out? Honestly, I really like that call-out for him. Look, I mean, the state of 205 is a mess right now. The fact that he's even ranked sixth, uh, you know, it's just surprising. I'm very impressed with him, uh, but to be so new to the game and already be ranked sixth, 
kind of goes to show you what what we're up against with the UFC 205 division, with Jones leaving, with Glover aging. Uh, even Gus hasn't been the most active fighter. DC is now the heavyweight champion. It's basically a mess. But to answer your question, Gumby, is this a good call-out? It's a great call-out. Jan Blakovich is ranked number four. He's number six. It makes all the sense in the world. And, hey, Jan Blakovich, kind of a sneaky win streak. It snuck up on everyone. He's on a four-fight win streak, coming off a big submission win over Nikita Krylov. I like the call-out. Yeah, I think it's really smart for his career. And, you know, what you said about him sort of being a surprising number six, it's definitely true. And he even hinted to that when he was talking about the fact that it all happened in one year. He said it feels like a fucking video game, which I think is so apt, right? Like, you play a video game and you rise to the top of the division in, like, two seconds. He's done that, which is crazy. Um, But here he is, number six, and and finishing people and beating Ovin St. Preux. You know, uh, a little birdie told me that we have a combat countdown, not this week, but sometime in the very near future, where we're going to break down the top five 205 prospects. And actually, as we're talking it out, there are some prospects in this division. I also want to say, you almost can't really sleep on Vulcan Ozdemir either. Look, he got a title shot, because again, the division's a total mess. He got a title shot in what, his third or fourth UFC fight? Yeah. And facing Daniel Cormier... That is not an easy test of any man. Uh, you know, let's not rule out an Ozdemir comeback. Now he's got those legal troubles behind him. He probably learned a lot from the Cormier loss. He knew he needs to work on his wrestling. He knew he, he knows he needs to work on his grappling. Maybe this 205 division can kind of turn itself around in 2019. And I fully expect someone like a Dominic Reyes could be at the heart of that turnaround. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it, it's exciting. You mentioned Volkan Ozdemir. It's exciting to know that he's fighting next weekend against Anthony Smith, who's, uh, you know, he's not necessarily a, a spring chicken at like 30 or 31 or whatever he is, uh, but it's definitely uh, a matchup with two guys who could who could make their stake for the top of the division. Uh, I wish. I mean, we'll we'll talk about this uh, when we do our combat countdown uh, next week on on the two hundred five prospects. Anthony Smith excites me like no other fighter excites me. If only he was just early to mid twenties. Uh, it's crazy what he's come on and done in these uh, first few UFC fights. But yeah, you know the what? First, As we're first few two hundred five fights. Yes. Yeah. Right, yeah. Exactly. Two hundred five fights. The the other thing is um is uh is Nikita Krylov's back in the division mm-hmm. and I know he came back to a loss uh to the aforementioned Jan Blakovich but I don't know maybe I'm talking myself into more excitement in 205 than meets the eye yeah and I think we have a couple of guests lined up for next week too uh that are probably not that far out of the rankings too that are are super exciting so make sure you tune in next week if you weren't already planning on it. All right, we talked enough about next week. Let's talk about this week. Uh, we have the combat countdown on the top five fights left this year. But before we get to that, which I'm very excited to break down, let's do a little around the league, lightning fashion. Uh, we'll start with the, I guess you could call it the biggest news of the week. Eddie Alvarez leaves the UFC, signs with 1FC. He's getting that China money. Your thoughts? I think it's a really smart move for him. I, I sort of mentioned this uh, on Twitter a week or two ago. I, I think the the fact that he's going to one right now, it, it it keeps drawing comparisons to Ben Askren. It is not at all like Ben Askren. Ben Askren won a Bellator title in a time where Bellator didn't have a lot of challengers. Eddie Alvarez beat Michael Chandler 
Eddie Alvarez went to the UFC and won the title there. The dude has won everything he could have to win. Why not go get the biggest fucking payday he possibly can? He could hang around the UFC and be guy number 5 to 10, right? But why wait around the UFC, be guy number 5 to 10, probably feel somewhat disrespected when he can go over to Asia where he would instantly be a star, probably win another title, get paid better? It's a no-brainer. I'm absolutely happy for him. Uh, You know, the 155 division... Would it be nice to have him? He'd kind of be in that gatekeeper role at this point. Sure, it would, but it's not the hugest loss, to be quite honest with you. Um, You know, I don't see him... Like, when Rory McDonald left, I felt like Rory McDonald could beat Tyron Woodley, the champion. That was a huge blow to me. Also, you look at the age, obviously. But with Eddie out leaving, I don't think Eddie beats Habib. I don't think Eddie at this point beats Tony Ferguson. So, you know, and like you said, he's accomplished everything he has to accomplish. Good for him on getting the payday. Ben Askren had not been in the UFC yet, kind of still more in the prime. That felt like more of a waste to me mm-hmm. with him going to one. It, this does not feel like a waste. 100% agree. Um, all right, we'll keep moving on then. Uh, you also had the uh, Fedor Emelianenko uh, putting an end to Chael Sonnen in the very first round of their Bellator fight. Uh, this sets up the finals of the Bellator Grand Prix. It's going to be Fedor versus Ryan Bader, who's favored to win it. Fedor, uh, you know, now at age 44. It's so funny. He still has the timing. He still has the power. But that's kind of all he has in my estimation. Mm-hmm. I think Bader's the more well-rounded fighter. I think Bader wins, but I, I don't think Bellator could have asked for a better final. No, I, I think it shook out exactly the way they wanted it to in pretty much every matchup. You know, like, Bader is obviously, like, already a champion there, so that was good for him. He got to fight Mitch Rione, who chats a little bit. Then you got Shale Sonnen, who somehow managed to get out of the first round and wind up in the semifinals. You got him to promote fights. So, like, the semifinals worked out perfect, and I think the finals did work out perfect, because you got the two best fighters in there. And, and while, you know, we're talking about the, the two semifinal matchups that happened this weekend... I think Ryan Bader's performance was damn impressive to have him just beat down Matt Mitrione that way. I mean, it was brutal in a way that we haven't seen Ryan Bader be brutal for a while. I think one judge had it 30-24, which is just absurd. It's been a real long time since I've seen a scorecard like that. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, Bellator, honestly, they've, I think they've actually kind of put together something here where they've done enough high profile signings. And I get they haven't gotten other than Rory and really Gegard too. Um, who surprisingly enough, I was doing some nerd stats today. Gegard left the UFC with a nine and three record. Yeah. Uh, pretty good fucking record. And he went out on a win over Chris Weidman. Uh, you know, I would say Gegard and Rory were the two signings that hurt the most. Or not hurt the most, because the UFC goes on. But those were the two best signings of guys who really could be in, like, the top three of their division if still in the UFC. But that being said, with all the other names that they've gotten, um, and Bader, too, I guess you could say might be in the top five for 205, if you still in the UFC, they've kind of put together a nice roster at this point, no? Yeah, and I I think what they're doing, too, is they're sort of returning to their roots. I don't know if you can tell this. I I know the Bellator route was like the tournament and the winner gets a title shot, but the the idea of these Grand Prix right now, just with the best fighters rather than somebody looking for a title shot, 
it's like sort of reviving the original Bellator like model and doing it with a fresh enough spin that it seems interesting. Um, so I think Scott Coker's doing a good things over there. Um, I'm excited to see the welterweight Grand Prix. Yeah, I was going to mention that too. And also can't, can't talk about Bellator and good signings and not mention Aaron Pico, who looks to be just honestly a world beater and someone I hope one day ends up in the UFC. Um, let's move on. Jones versus Gustafson. Uh, it's happening at UFC 232, end of the year, 1229, December 29th. And they have stripped Daniel Cormier of the light heavyweight title. So, I mean, listen, this was always Jones's title. He, he never lost it. He lost it because he hit a woman with his car, and then he lost it because he popped for steroids and then ratted everyone out, and now he's back. What are your thoughts on this being for a title? Um, Daniel Cormier said he wanted to defend both titles, so it, it seems weird right after he states that to do that, especially because he's such, like, a company guy. You know, he's on the desk, and he does the the post-fight interviews for smaller cards and things like So it's, like, seems like a weird choice to, like, short him. But but I get it. it it's like I said last week, when, or in the week before, when we were talking about the women's flyweight title fights that kept getting shuffled around and Derek Lewis getting a title shot and all that kind of stuff. The UFC needs a big, high-profile fight to main event that's for a title. And Jones and Gustafson was probably the only one that was going to work out for a headliner for that card that was going to sell pay-per-views. I get it. You want a title on the line? Put the title on the line. So uh, I'm not going to fight it. It makes sense to me. Um, You know, sucks for DC, though. Yeah, you know what? Here's the problem. I saw John Jones head kick DC a year and a half ago uh, and and win. And uh, you know what? It's not really DC's title. I'm sorry. I love DC, but it's Jones's title. Of all the chicanery they pull with these interim titles and pulling titles and this and that, this one, I'm not losing any sleep over. It just is what it is. And he's the heavyweight champion now, and he probably belongs at heavyweight anyway. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Uh, All right. Last thing I'll say, and this will be a quick one, you have a lot of uh, back and forth the past couple of days about the potential of a Habib-Connor rematch not happening. You had Habib and Floyd Mayweather going back and forth on social media. That's never going to happen. Spoiler alert. But just the <laughs> fact that Floyd was even entertaining the idea did, is Did you see the preliminary odds on that fight, by the way? Pretty funny. What, wasn't it like, my, was Floyd like minus what, a thousand? He was, he was minus, he was minus... 2000. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Make, make some. Yo. Uh, and then you had Ali Abdelaziz, the manager for Habib. He just had an interview with MMAfighting.com. He said the rematch is not happening. Uh, then he made some comments about how Coach Kavanaugh was disrespectful to him, called McGregor a bitch, called McGregor a prostitute. I put this on our Twitter at Top Turtle MMA. Follow us if you're not following us. We have giveaways there. We love our fan interaction. But that all being said, I put this on our Twitter. Everything you hear in the in the next couple of weeks and months, it's all just noise. Mm-hmm. It's all leading to, to to a rematch. That's what this is. It's the fight business. Very entertaining storyline they've cooked up here, where Habib doesn't fight for money and he's not going to do the rematch. The rematch will happen. Yeah. Ali is his business manager. It's what's best for business. What Connor wants, Connor gets. And if he wants the rematch, at some point. This rematch will happen. Yeah, I kind of think the rematch is going to happen. I don't think it's going to be the next fight, but I do for Habib. I think Habib is going to fight Tony Ferguson next, but I do think it's going to happen down the road. He's going to get that rematch. 
Yeah, it's going to I mean, I agree. You know, Habib could fight Tony in the spring, then you have Ramadan in the summer, and then he comes back and fights McGregor one year to the date later in October or the fall or MSG or whatever they want to do. Bingo. Habib really hates Vegas. Yeah, exactly. All right, let's get to what brought us to the dance. It's this week's Combat Countdown. We thought about it. The UFC has done a tremendous job setting up their matches for the rest of the year, so we thought, what better thing to do than do a combat countdown on the top five fights left this year? We threw to you, the fans, got some tremendous feedback, again, at Top Turtle MMA. Follow the show if you're not doing it already. Uh, Gumby, there were so many options here, and fans threw so many fights at us. Let's do this. We normally don't start with it, but we'll start with it this week. Let's just go over real quick some honorable mentions. Okay, so my two biggest honorable mentions on this list are going to be uh, Dan Hooker versus Edson Barboza. Stylistically, yeah. stylistically, I don't think there's a better fight left in the year. So as far as magnitude in the division go, it, it lacks a little bit, and that's probably why it didn't make the list. But as far as just stylistically what would be fucking real fun to see, these are two tall, lanky guys with knockout power in their hands, knockout power in their legs, and the ability to just make any fight an absolute war. So I think that one is a can't-miss fight. I also think Michael Chiesa versus Carlos Condit is such a fun stylistic fight because Michael Chiesa has got crazy good jujitsu, and that's like a noted weakness of Carlos Condit. And then you got Condit, who's like a violence machine on the feet. So, like, that one's fun because it might not work out one person's way, but it's going to be fun no matter what. So, the Chiesa versus Carlos Condit fight, that happens at UC 232. That's on December 29th, the aforementioned Jones versus Gustafsson main event. And Hooker versus Barbosa is taking place at Fight Night Wisconsin uh, December 15th. I am more looking forward to Hooker versus Barbosa. Uh, but, you know, for name value and style of fighter, yeah, Case is an action fighter. He's only gone to decision twice in the UFC. Condit, I think, you know, the sun is setting, so to speak. But that's not to say that he can't put in a banger of a performance and a fun fight against Chiesa. Mm -hmm. Other honorable mentions I want to mention would be Cyborg versus Nunez. Uh, Didn't make our top five, but it's right there. It's Cyborg. The reason it didn't make the top five is because it is Cyborg. And no one beats her, and I don't expect Nunes to beat her. But you know what? Out of everyone that the UFC has thrown against Cyborg, the best other than Holly Holm, it's the best option. Because yep. she at least can match power for power. She's not going to be intimidated or bullied on the ground. Uh, so, you know, could this be the upset finally? Maybe. But that doesn't mean that it, it goes in our top five, because we're all still picking Cyborg. The other fight to mention, friend of the show, Kevin Lee versus Ally Aquinta. Uh, style matchup. Uh, is very good. They're both good strikers. They're both good wrestlers. They're both super tough guys. You saw that on display when Iaquinta fought Habib this past April in Brooklyn. But I think what also makes it an interesting matchup is it has huge title ramifications. If you want to go with the theory that Tony's getting the next title shot in the spring, you know, the winner of this fight, let's just say Connor doesn't come back or what have you, maybe Connor does a super fight with someone else, Anderson Silva, GSP, I don't know. Kevin Lee and Ally Aquinta could be those next guys in line for a title shot. So yeah, that and, matchup has- and that matchup is five rounds too, because it's the headliner at UFC Milwaukee, which makes it even more interesting. Exactly. All right. So, were there any other uh, 
Any other honorable mentions for you, or do we go to the list? I mean, we can go to the list. I will mention real quickly Donald Cerrone versus uh, Mike Perry, but I feel like that's one everybody mentions because they both love the violence of those two, but that pretty much does it for me. All right, cool. Well, let's go to the real list then, and we'll start our combat countdown with number five, top five fights left this year. Uh, it's Israel Adesanya taking on Derek Brunson at UFC 230. Yeah, and, and we talked about this a little bit off air, uh, and I'll give the viewers at home a little sneak peek into what we were talking about, Was is that Israel Adesanya might be the perfect prototype of what the UFC should do to bring up a young and upcoming fighter, right? The dude is amazing on the mic, and the UFC could have probably vaulted him into title contention by now, but instead they had him fight Brad Tavares, who is tough as nails and was going to test every weakness that we thought Israel Adesanya had, and he passed with flying colors. So, again, they could have just vaulted him to the top. He could be fighting fucking Yoel Romero tomorrow if we wanted him to. And instead, here we have him fighting Derek Brunson, who, again, is going to test him with pace. He's going to test him with power. And we're going to see an interesting matchup between a guy who knows how to pick his shots brilliantly and is crazy violent and a guy who has no idea how to pick his shots and is maybe more violent. <laughs> yeah, so well said. I'm really looking forward to that matchup. You know, it really reminds me of, let's say, Connor versus Dustin Poirier. Uh, it was like the first big name. We've gone from the jobbers of Marcus Brimage and, you know, Diego Brandau, who physically Connor was, you know, two times the size of to begin with. And then when he got Poirier on that uh, pay-per-view, that was kind of like the coming out party in a lot of ways. And I don't mean any disrespect to Max Holloway, who Connor fought in his second fight, but that's not the same Max Holloway that yep. I know now. Point being, that's what this matchup is for Israel Adesanya. It's his biggest test to date, and I'm really excited to see how he gets through it because we've count we've done this before on the show. We called him a potential top future pay-per-view star. So he's got to get through Derek Brunson if that's going to become become the case. We'll move then to number four, and uh, it's our first female fight on the list, not counting honorable mentions. It's Valentina Shevchenko versus Joanna Janjacek at UFC 231. Yeah, I think this fight is intriguing for a number of reasons, right? Like, Shevchenko uh, has a little bit more of a really well-rounded game, right? Like, we've seen her dominate on the ground a couple of times, whereas Jan Jacek hasn't. But at the same time, we're looking at two women who are coming from different weight classes, and we're not quite sure how it's going to affect either of their bodies, right? Like, we don't know what Jan Jacek looks like really well at 25. I mean, don't get me wrong, she's done some kickboxing or some Muay Thai in the past near that weight. But we haven't seen it in MMA, and we haven't seen it in a while. Same with Shevchenko. We don't know what it's going to look like seeing Shevchenko come down from 35 to 25. So they've got a little bit of a past, which makes this even more interesting. Uh, I mean, there's there's a whole lot of things that make this fight interesting, but... The bottom line is we're now going to see a 125-pound champ crowned that people, and I hate to say this, people respect. Yeah, but it's true, just reality. And, hey, I don't follow women's Muay Thai from, you know, continents away, but I'm pretty sure that Valentina has a win over JJ. Is that correct? Two, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I believe wow. she's 2-0. Yeah. Yeah, they're very interesting. All right, we'll move then to number three. It's a rematch of one of the best fights ever. Uh, really the only time that John Jones was in 
super serious trouble uh, other than the Vitor Belfort armbar in their fight, uh, but it was Alexander Gustafsson who really took Jones to the limit. Jones called it his toughest test ever. I think he had trouble dealing with someone who had as much as reach of reach as him in Gus, but now we're running it back finally years later, four years later, uh, it's John Jones versus Alexander Gustafsson at UC 232. Yeah, I, I think this fight, if you had booked it the week after the first one happened, is number one on every list, right? Like, right after that fight happened, everybody wanted to see the rematch. Everybody wanted to see what was up next. Everybody wanted Gus to get another chance. It, it definitely falls down the list just a little bit because it's happening so much later. But but like Dominic Reyes said in our interview, like because of all the time off with John Jones, there's a little bit of an unknown there too. So like you know, Gus has had time off, Jones has had time off. We're we're in this like weird limbo where this could be a killer fight, and I'm not a hundred percent sure I'm picking John Jones. Yeah, it's weird because they both had layoffs. Um, and that's also why I don't have it higher, per se, on yeah. the list. Um, just yeah, if they were coming off out. starching people, I'm right in. Uh, we'll move then to number two. It's uh, everybody's favorite uh, New Jersey gangster, Frankie Edgar versus the Korean Zombie at uh, UC Fight Night Denver on November 10th. Yeah, this is the headliner of Denver, and I, I think it's so exciting. People sleep on Korean Zombie as a title challenger in that division, but he's really done some really impressive things as of late. Um, and, and I think, again, this could probably be up a little bit if Frankie's not coming off... Uh, well, he's coming off a win, but he didn't have that Ortega loss in the recent past. And if uh, you know Korean Zombie didn't have some like really large layoff gaps as well, but they're both really violent guys. It'll be interesting to see if Korean Zombie can avoid the takedowns of Frankie. It'll be interesting to see if Frankie goes for him. Um, it's a fun style matchup between two fan favorites, um, and, and both of them have been in some slugfests. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Korean Zombie doing good things. He's coming off a win over Dennis Bermudez, KO in the first round. That was back in February of 2017, so again, a long layoff. He obviously lost to Jose Aldo back in August of 2013. This is before his mandatory military service for South Korea. But he also holds a win over Dustin Poirier uh, via Darce Choke. That was back in 2012. So he's an action fighter. Frankie's a legend. It takes place on the 25th anniversary of the UFC back in Denver, so... I guess maybe it warmed our hearts a little bit, and it comes to number two. But what really counts is what came in at number one, uh, and we'll move to that right now. It's Max Holloway versus Brian Ortega at UC 231 on December 8th. Yeah, I, I think this one's got to be number one because it's a title fight. It's fresh. It feels like it, it's either person's time. We got booked really close to it, and it, it felt like it was going to happen, and then it fell through. So there's like a lot of anticipation built up to this. I mean, Holloway's a guy who beat the odds by beating Jose Aldo twice. Picked against him in both fights, by the way. I did not think he was going to be able to beat Jose Aldo twice. And not only did he do it twice, he did it twice in the same fucking manner, which is so impressive. And then you got another guy who's defied odds in Ortega, who has a, a knockout win over Frankie Edgar, which is just absolutely insane to say out loud. A knockout win over Frankie Edgar. So you got these two guys, both who have defied the odds over and over again, looking to stake their claim as, like, the number one dude in the division. So, to me, that's just the absolute most exciting fight we can see for the rest of this year. 
Ortega has submission wins. He has KOs. He's never been finished himself. Holloway is on a whole different level right now. Uh, he's on a crazy win streak, a uh, double-digit win streak. Uh, it's a great matchup and one we were denied earlier in the year, but now it's finally happening, and thus it is number one. So if you liked our list, if you hated our list, we're accepting both love and hate feedback at Top Turtle MMA on Twitter. Gumby, uh, did any company bring us that combat countdown? Of course, that combat countdown was brought to you by BJJ Tea Club, BJJ T-E-E Club.com. Here at Top Turtle, we like counting things down. But you know what we can't count down? subscription services that bring you sweet looking high quality BJJ t-shirts and that's because BJJ T-Club has cornered the market on subscription services for those sweet t-shirts but they're not just great because they're the one and only they're great because they're affordable they require no contracts and they are super easy to deal with plus when you go to BJJTclub.com right now and you use promo code flow that's F-L-O you're gonna get five bucks off that first t-shirt that means you can get started for just seven dollars and fifty cents first t-shirt seven dollars and fifty cents don't wait lock in that price today BJJTclub.com uh, so that's going to do it for our episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast this week. We'd like to thank all of our sponsors, BJJT Club, ADK Fightwear, Sheath Underwear, and of course, Sisu Mouthguards. We'd also like to thank the mothership, Flow Combat, for having us on each and every week. Make sure you follow us, our Twitter, at Top Turtle MMA on Twitter. Uh, we got a lot of giveaways and all kinds of other fun stuff uh, going on there, so make sure that you follow over there. Also follow me on Twitter, at Gumby Vreeland. Uh, you can check out all the things that I'm writing and doing for Flow Combat at the moment. And before we let you go, we wanted to give you one more interview. I got a chance this week to talk to Levi Jones-Leary. Those of you who don't know him, he is a top name in the BJJ world, or he will be very soon. Uh, he's a world champion at Brown Belt. He's a hell of a black belt. And uh, I think you're really going to enjoy this interview. So we're going to send you off with this interview brought to you by Sisu Mouthguards, which, of course is the only mouth guard that allows you to talk, breathe, and drink all with the mouth guard up in your mouth. So head to sisuguard.com, pick yourself up one of their max guards. You're really going to enjoy it. So as we send you off for the day, I'm Daniel Gumby-Vreeland here with Shockwave Dave Tremonti. Uh, enjoy this interview. This is Daniel Gumby-Vreeland with Top Turtle MMA on flowcombat.com. And today I have the pleasure of speaking to Levi Jones-Leary, an up-and-coming BJJ Black Belt, winner of the World Championships at Brown Belt. We're going to be talking to him today a little bit about BJJ. So, Levi, I want to start uh, with asking a question that I ask a lot of jiu-jitsu guys. What sort of got you into jiu-jitsu for the first time? Um, well, I was actually... Um, first of all, yeah, you know, thanks so much for having me on the show. Um, uh, I was actually introduced um, into jiu-jitsu from a... Uh, a project called Links to Learning, which is a, uh, it's a, it's like a social project they have in Australia where they take um, kids that aren't really doing so well in school, and they um, they take them, they take them out of the classroom for the day, you know, once a week, and they take them to do uh, like a different activity. And one day we went to do, went to do jiu-jitsu. So um, that's pretty much it. I went in there, I fell in love with it, and then. Um, Pretty much briefly after that, I made the decision just to leave school and train jiu-jitsu full-time. Make it, make it, uh, so, 
So what was that that decision like between like you know your peers, your parents, your teachers? What what was sort of the decision to to leave school and do jujitsu full time? You know, I, I I can't imagine that was that was well received by everybody. Yeah, right. Um, well, funny thing. I mean, I wasn't doing very well in school. Actually, I was doing awful in school. Um, I hadn't written on a piece of paper since about you know year seven, um, and I was just I just wasn't doing anything there. So. I think just the fact that I had something to go do, you know, that I wasn't just going to be doing drugs or, you know, doing, you know, something terrible. It was, it wasn't, it wasn't too hard for them to take it in, um, parental wise. Um, the school teachers just all thought I was a lost hope from the beginning. Um, but my, my parents uh, were actually pretty supporting and, um, yeah, I, I'm incredibly grateful to them for that. Sure. Yeah, obviously that that's a, that's got to be a huge piece there because you know you hear these stories about MMA guys or BJJ guys. Um, you know mm. when you you choose to make that life, sometimes it can be pretty difficult on the family. Yes, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, and they 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 you know they weren't like obviously it's a weird decision. You know, jujitsu. They were kind of like, you know, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Like, what are you doing? But um, you know, over time and like hard work and stuff, when it when it's, when it was starting to pay off, they they understood, and now they're they're super proud. So. Yeah, and, and and so you said, yeah, it was kind of a weird weird thing to say that you were going to do jujitsu. Uh, obviously, you're training in New York City now at Unity, where you know you know jujitsu is hot in New York City right now. But what, yeah. what's the BJJ scene look like in Australia when, especially when you decided to make that decision? Um, man, it was it was up and coming. Uh, it wasn't. It def- yeah, exactly. It was it was that was that was why it was such a weird thing because. You know, Jiu-Jitsu was just coming up in the world, so in Australia it was like, it was nothing, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, now we have a, like a few more guys, we have a guy called Craig Jones who's yeah. doing great on the world scene, um, you know, a bunch of up-and-coming guys now, so now it's now it's a path, uh, you know, a lot of um, younger kind of kids that are into Jiu-Jitsu can, can take in Australia, but, um, but yeah, back then it, it wasn't actually like a, a path um, that you could kind of foresee so um, yeah it's, it's definitely grown a lot now but uh, yeah but a few years ago it, was, it wasn't really anything it's growing everywhere in mm. the world right now but it's, it's nowhere near the level it is um, in, in, in the United States or or in Brazil or something like this, you know? Yeah, and I was glad you brought up the name Craig Jones, too, because that seems to be, like, the name that comes to people's mind when you hear Australian Jiu-Jitsu right now. Uh, I was yeah. going to ask you, do, do you have a good relationship with him? Have you trained with him? Uh, compete against him? Those types of things? Yeah. Uh, no, yeah, I, I love Craig. Um, we've, we've, we've had, like, a, an ongoing relationship over the years. I mean, I don't, I don't really see him very much. Uh, he trains... Uh, like primarily he trains no gi now, mm. and I'm like more of a I'm more of a gi guy at the moment. Um, so it's like training with the with the gi on. Um, but I've trained with him like since I was you know since I was just starting out to to you know just recently. But it's always a great time like catching up with him and training with him. Um, he's a great guy. He's a cool guy. So. Yeah, and I, I was going to ask you too. You do seem to favor the gi in your competitions. I, is there a reason yeah. why you you prefer the gi over no gi? Um, I mean, a lot of my game has been has been set around the gi. Just, uh, just it's it's more like goal wise, you know. Like, mm. um, when I started, my goal was to be a black belt world champion. 
um, in the gate. And uh, that's that's pretty much been my, my only concern and my only goal. So everything's just kind of towards that one focus. Um, after I get that title, though, I'm, I'm like excited to start competing more nogi. I'm still I'm still training a lot of nogi. Like right now, um, it's nogi season in the gym here in New York at Unity. So I'm doing a lot of nogi right now. So I could I could potentially try the ADCC trials at the end of this year. Um, but but right now, focused on 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 the gi season for next year. Just gi worlds, gi Europeans, all all the major comps in the gi next year. Mm. And you mentioned there too, you know, your big goal is obviously black belt world champion, uh, and yeah. then you would consider no gi stuff. With all of the like no gi tournaments that are being televised now, and sub only mm. tournaments that are being televised, it, you know, like there's EBI out there, there's Polaris out there, there's Quinet out there. You know, you mentioned ADCCs, yeah. which now have a deal with with Flow Grappling. It, it, yeah. Does it does it pull your interest even more? Is it is it hard to stay on the goal of of black belt world champ? Uh, not really, man. I mean, not really. Like, there's there's a lot of uh, super fight promotions and stuff coming out in the in the gi as well. You have uh, the Spider Invitational, um, ACB, and uh, there's a lot of opportunities to make to make money with super fights coming up in the gi as well. Of course, it's it's super tempting, and and you know I can't wait to to uh, to fight in those in those tournaments myself. But um, right now. No temptation mm-hmm. whatsoever. Um, all I care about is that is those is those gi titles. But like I said, after I get those, for sure I'm for sure I'm going to be doing some no gi, hundred percent. Well, we're we're looking forward to both of those. Uh, so before I let you go, Levi, uh, geez, uh, before I let you go, I, I'd like to give you a chance. Is there anywhere people can catch you? You know, an Instagram, uh, an upcoming seminar. Is is there anywhere where people should keep a lookout for Levi Jones Leary? Yeah, I mean, uh, you can go to my Instagram. It's uh, Levi Zhao JJ. Um, that's pretty much it. Everything, all uh, upcoming things, will be posted on there. Um, Dan, thank you so much for having me on the on your uh, on your podcast. Absolutely, uh, I really appreciate it, man. Absolutely, thanks for coming on. And uh, guys, so make sure you head over to Instagram, check him out. Up and coming black belt. Uh, in the world of jiu-jitsu right now, in a winner at World Black or uh, Brown Belt, rather, Levi Jones-Leary. Levi, thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it, man. Cheers, cheers so much, Dan. Have a good one, man.